1957, Peter Stoner looked at the eight prophecies regarding the birth of Christ. Peter Stoner was a college professor. He calculated that the odds of Jesus fulfilling these prophecies exactly as they were given were one in 100 quadrillion. Now you can read about him and his defense of his and the defense of his methods on the internet. It is very interesting how they calculated this and I say they because he did it with a classroom of students. To help you have some perspective, 100 quadrillion silver dollars would cover the state of Texas two feet deep. If you were to take one of those coins and paint it, blindfold someone and tell them they could go anywhere in the state of Texas, anywhere, reach down one time, the odds of them pulling out that painted coin would be one in 100 quadrillion. Now there are some things Peter Stoner did not calculate when he looked at the fulfillment of prophecy. What are the odds? What are the odds that 500 years before Christ the Jewish people would be dispersed? It's called in history the diaspora. It means a settling of scattered Jews. After the Babylonian exile, the Jewish people went all around the Mediterranean Sea area and east and south. They went into India. They went down into Africa. They went all around in the diaspora. And they maintained family values, morality, and spoke the hope of a coming deliverer. Ancient authors write about their influence upon the pagan people. It's very interesting to study that. The Jews had an influence on the ancient world and on the pagan people. And one of the great things that they influenced them with was the hope of something better, of a coming deliverer to make life wonderful and uh, eternal life possible. What are the odds? You see, Peter Stoner did not calculate what are the odds that Rome would rule that part of the world and that because of their rule, one language would dominate. One language would be spoken and understood by businessmen, public officials, and the majority of the people, thus making it easy for information to travel. Peter Stoner did not calculate what are the odds that with that central government it would make travel easy between countries? Didn't need a passport. Rome was in charge after all. Or that a road system that webbed its way around the empire would be created. And that's where we get the saying, all roads lead to Rome. Peter Stoner also did not answer this question. What are the odds that Mary would even travel with Joseph to Bethlehem? Do you realize she was not required by law or custom to go? She chose to go. What are the odds of that? What are the odds that Luke, a Gentile physician, 
would write about Jewish people worshiping the child Jesus? What are the odds that Matthew, a Jew, would write about Gentiles worshiping the child Jesus? What are the odds? And today we're going to study about odds through the story of Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12, the wise men. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. We will read the story and then we will go back verse by verse and look at it. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. Then they heard the king, or when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Herod was the king. Herod was an Edomite. He was a descendant of Esau. He was partially Jew, but mostly Greek in his thoughts and processes. He was a ruthless tyrant. He had killed some of it in his own family because he suspected they were against him. He was so self-absorbed, so self-centered, and knew he was disliked passionately that here's what he did. He made his officials promise that on the day of his death, several thousand Jews would be killed randomly around the country so that there would be mourning upon his passing. These wise men came from the east. Not known, it is not known where they came from. There are many wonderful stories and traditions and debates that take place among the scholars, but simply all we know is they came from the east. We don't know how many there were. There were at least two. There could have been many more. But 
they're from the east, and it is very likely they had been influenced by the Jewish presence in the country where they lived. They came to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, geographically, is five miles northwest of Bethlehem, so they were close. They had traveled from afar, and they, they were close, and it makes perfect sense. It's very logical that if you were looking for the king of a country, you would go to the capital city, and they did. So they came to Jerusalem. In verse 2 it says, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Quite innocently, they asked about the birth of the Jewish king. And it created a stir, as we will read in just a moment. It says, or they say that they had seen his star in the east and they had come to worship him. The question of the star has caused speculation on many people's parts. Those who support the scriptures have one idea. Those who do not support the scriptures use it kind of as an excuse to show these are myths, these are legends, these are fables that have been compiled in a nice way to make people feel good. But they say there is nothing scientifically that you can demonstrate that there was a new star, there was something that happened. And besides, how do you follow a star? It's so high up into space. And the distance between Jerusalem and Bethlehem is only five miles. But we read in there that they followed the star. Now, it's true you can look at the North Star and you can navigate north, east, west, south, and I guess that's all of them. You can, you can navigate in one of those directions according to where that star is. But it's not that the star leads. And so they kind of dismiss the story. Nice children's story. And then there are those who support the Bible. And they say, oh no, and, and they have tried to find somehow that maybe there was a convergence of planets and it created this special wow in the heavens the night that Jesus was born. Or perhaps it was a comet that went across the skies. And even so, if it were one of those, those are temporary. These men, as we will see in a few moments, have been on this journey, maybe not physically, but Mentally, they've been on this journey for two years trying to find this child, trying to understand what it means. And you just don't have a comet that just stays in the sky for two years, nor do you have a convergence of planets that do that. So what is it? I'm a follower of the Bible. I really believe what the Bible says. And so I did not want to dismiss the idea that, well, God could lead them with a star, but you know, if you study the Bible, I think there's a very plausible response as to what it means. If you will turn to the book of Revelation, I'd like to show you something. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 16. John is given this vision of Jesus, and he sees Jesus, and this is how he describes him. He says, he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. 
in verse 20, Jesus is going to talk and explain what the stars in his hands are, in his hand. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw on my right hand and the seven golden lamps stands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And you know, with a little bit of study in the Bible, you'll discover that in the book of Revelation in particular, stars represent angels. Could it be that the star that they followed was a band of angels? And that they were literally guiding them on their journey? Well, the Bible does seem to relate that in a, in a way, go to Luke chapter 2, on the night of Jesus' birth, we have the story of shepherds who are visited by angels. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now there were in the same field shepherds living out in the fields. They were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, and they sing. So on the night of Christ's birth, we know there was a phenomena in heaven. Angels sang across that plain. Now, is it possible that these men from the east saw that? Maybe. They might not have had to have seen it. They may have heard the story. And it is possible that maybe there was a special alignment of something that got them thinking. But they spend time studying trying to understand what was taking place. And they must have gone to the Jewish scriptures of the Old Testament, we would call it, and studied and decided this is the sign of a king. A king, the deliverer we've heard about. And they began to journey. And, as I mentioned earlier, I believe a band of angels led them like a shining star. We go back to Matthew chapter 2, and we're at verse 3. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. That uh, word is terasso in the Greek. It's translated disturbed in the New International Version, disturbed and troubled in the Amplified Version. Terasso means to stir or agitate or to royal water, not uh, like making it a king, uh, and it sounds like boil, but it's with an R. Roiling water is really moving, and this is describing something in the heart, the antithesis, if you will, of peace. They're troubled, and we read Tarasso in a very famous passage. Turn with me, if you will, please, to John chapter 14, verse 1. This is at the Last Supper. Jesus is telling his men he's leaving. He will be departing from them. And of course, they're deeply saddened. 
And we read in chapter 14, verse 1. Now, I want to draw your attention to the screen. I know you have your Bibles, and I'm grateful for that. And some of you have the New King James Version, and that's fine. Some of you have other versions, and that's fine. But I want us to read this out loud together. This is a very important verse for Christians. Let's read it together. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's a beautiful verse. And Jesus is saying, don't let this disturbance, don't let this agitation, don't let this stirring be in your heart. You believe in God, believe in me. So we discover that this troubled heart is a heart that is not at peace with God. It is a heart that is not filled with the peace of God. And so when we go back to Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, and it says, Herod heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, we discover that these wise men unknowingly have started a firestorm in the capital of Israel. Verse 4, and when he, that's Herod, had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. I find it very interesting that Herod has basically one question. Where would the king, where would the Christ be born? That means he knew about the promised deliverer. That means he knew about the prophecies. He knew that he would be replaced someday by one greater than him. But he is going to fight it to the end. All he wants to know is where was the child to be born. He's not asking questions for any other reason than for the purpose of destroying that child. We go to verses 5 and 6. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Verse 6 is a quotation from Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Micah was a prophet who wrote this down 700 years before Christ was born. Micah 5.2 was one of the prophecies Peter Stone used in his calculations. And so, Herod knows, okay, Bethlehem. All right, he's got that. Verse 7, we read, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Now, what was the initial motivation of these wise men? What was it that had kicked them into gear? It was a star. And Herod wants to know, when did that star first appear? We'll find out from <clears throat> Scripture that it was about two years before this time. So these guys, very unlikely, they've been journeying for two years, but very likely they've been searching for two years, and then they began their journey. And we think it's two years, because if you go to Matthew 
2 verse 16, you will read that when they don't come back to Herod, Herod does this. Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry and sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all its districts from two years old and under. So Herod had a threshold. It was two years ago. We'll knock out every boy in that region that is two years old or younger. Now we go on to Matthew 2 verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. He's lying. He has no intention of worshiping Jesus. He has every intention of eliminating the rival to, his, to the throne that he sits on. And thus, you know what? That's the struggle all of us have. We all have a throne in our heart. Who's going to sit on it? Jesus or us? He chose himself. And the only thing he could do was fight against God. You know, that's a losing proposition. Have any of you figured that out yet? That is a losing proposition. So these men journey on. And I find the next two verses to be the most interesting in the entire story. Verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Now, why are they so happy? The New International Version says they were overjoyed. The Amplified Version says thrilled with ecstatic joy. Now, did they need the star to find Jesus? No, they'd already been told he's in Bethlehem. Not that big of a community. All they have to do is go there and say, Hey, do you know where Jesus is who was born a couple years ago? Everybody would know. Everybody would know where he was. They had been told, they had been shown from the word of God. Thank you. Excuse me. They had been shown in the word of God where he would be born. They did not need the star, but when the star showed up, man, they were excited. And that star went right to the very house. Now, when I was preparing the sermon, I got thinking about it. Why, why are they so excited? What's the significance of that? And here's what I've come to conclude. And I'm sure I'll learn something better someday, but here's where I'm at. How many of you have read in the word of God that Jesus is coming back to take us to heaven? How many of you have read that? How many of you believe that? So you don't need any other evidences, do you? Really? I mean, the word of God says it. You see, those wise men, the word of God had said it. That's all the evidence they needed. But God is merciful. God is loving. Listen, folks, you know that this life is going to end well if you follow the Lord. You know you're going to go to heaven for eternity if you follow the Lord. But 
This season of the year can be very discouraging for some people. Maybe you. Maybe you came today discouraged. Maybe you're fighting depression with all of the strength that you have. Maybe you're battling all the negativity that is being dumped upon you. Listen, you already know you're going to heaven, but what you need is a star. You need a breath of hope. You need something to come. And every now and then, God does that for us. He answers a prayer in a way we know it was God. He brings things about in a way we know it was God. Does he have to do that? No, but he does it because he loves us. When those things happen, those are like the star to these wise men. And we need to rejoice with exceedingly great joy. God does that because he loves us. That's all. We don't need it. But man, it feels good when he does it. So they rejoice. And they go and they worship Jesus. They give him the gifts. And then God gives them a dream and they depart another way. They do not go back to Herod. Well, what are the odds? I thought of some things that were not talked about or used in the initial illustration by Peter Stoner. What are the odds that the wise men would go to Jerusalem first and get the whole city wound up? What are the odds that the very gifts they brought would be needed by the family as they had to escape to Egypt from Herod? What are the odds that they would be warned by God in a dream to go another way? Well, I've done the math. I've figured it out theologically. I know the answer. Not really odds at all. It was God's plan. That's it. Now, I have a question though. What are the odds that you are listening to this today? Not really odds at all. It is God's plan. His plan for you is good. His plan for you is to walk with you through this life and into eternity. There are no odds in this at all. It's God's plan. There were two main groups of people identified in this story. Two groups. People whose hearts were troubled and people who rejoiced with exceeding joy. Let not your heart be troubled. 